what I want you to do is to carefully take your communion elements to your seat. We're going to receive those together in just a moment. If you, if you would hold on to those, I want to I want to set the stage for what it is that you're holding. You know, some of you have been in church for your whole life. Some of you haven't. But first of all, I want you to hold those elements like they're precious because they are. But we got to go back, not just 2,000 years to when communion started, but further back. Because what Jesus did with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, which as we celebrate would have been last night, It actually would have been the, the beginning of Good Friday. See, for the Hebrew, the day starts at sundown. So at the very beginning of the day of his crucifixion would have been this meal. But he didn't just make it up out of nowhere. He was practicing with his disciples something that his people had been practicing for 1,300 years. You may remember the story that when God's people were in Egypt and slavery and God commanded his people to be brought out of, of, of slavery by Moses, he performed all these miracles and all these signs and all these wonders and Pharaoh would not let them go until finally the last one was the sign of the death angel. And this is where Passover began. That they had to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the doorframe of their house. And if you were in the house, the death angel would pass over you. And so this meal that they celebrated that night, God's people would celebrate year after year after year, awaiting their coming Messiah. And so Jesus has a meal with his disciples, and it was a Passover meal. He took wine or juice like this and he took a piece of bread like this. And I want to let you know that all of them were there. All of them. Now what happened right before all of them showed up to the meal was this. Then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot. He went to the chief priests and he said this, what will you give me to deliver Jesus over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment on, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. And from this moment on, he went directly to the upper room. I want to remind you that Judas ate too. Judas had his feet washed too. Judas was there in this moment of intimacy, which is Jesus and his disciples holding the elements that you hold and that we remember we celebrate still to this day. Judas was there too. And so Jesus, he took, he took bread. It would have been similar to this. I know you probably have a little different cracker in your hand, but this is called matzah. And I don't know if you can notice it, but it almost looks like it has lines running down it. I don't know if you could see the little holes in it. 
You can see the, the brown spots on it. You see, God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. The Passover celebration was just a foreshadowing of what was coming to completion this exact night. You see, the stripes actually represent the fact that He was striped for our healing. As we take of the bread today, we're remembering not just that we're forgiven in what He did on the cross, but that He went to the post and He was whipped and beaten for our healing and wholeness. He was pierced, that's what the holes represent, pierced for our transgressions. And it's, it's fried around the edges because He was burned, but He was not destroyed. And so Jesus, He took this bread and He gave thanks for it. And He said, this is my body broken for you. Take of it in remembrance of me. And I would invite you not just to simply remember something that took place in the past, but to receive everything that he won for us through his sacrifice. So I just wanna give you like 10 seconds in your own heart. Maybe just close your eyes right now and reflect on what you hold. Really, it's not about the bread, it's about what it represents. Like your wedding ring is not about, your wedding ring is not your marriage, but it's what it represents, something sacred. So Lord, we do not take this lightly. We do not just rush through this, but we honor you. What you sacrificed in your flesh. And we receive it now. We remember that your body was broken and we receive what you want for us through your flesh. Let's take that together. For 1,300 years, God's people would have to slay a lamb sacrifice. But the reality is that the need for blood atonement goes back to the very beginning. If you remember when Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves for their shame and their guilt with leaves, it wasn't an appropriate covering. It wasn't an appropriate atonement. And so God covered them with what? Animal skins, because the animal had to be sacrificed. But on this night, this man whom is called the Lamb of God, he joined with his disciples and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood. Not an animal's blood, but in my blood. It's poured out for you. This is a new legally binding contract between God and humanity. That no longer is it about you bringing an animal and being religious and legalistic, but it's about what he was going to do later this day on the cross. And so would you consider his precious blood that was poured out for you? Lord, we thank you that you went to the post, you were whipped and beaten for our healing, and you went to the cross and you poured out your blood for our forgiveness, our atonement, our reconciliation with you. 
we remember what you did and we receive it now in Jesus' name. Let's drink that together. Now, what takes place after this meal? All of a sudden, Judas leaves the room. The disciples start wondering, what's going on? This started as a good night. But then Jesus says, one of you is gonna betray me. Peter says, I'll never do it. Judas takes off and the dinner comes to an end. And they make their way from that upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, which means the Garden of the Olive Press. Now, you may not know the story, remember the story, but in that garden, Jesus goes three separate times to pray. And what's significant about this, if you know anything about olives, which I wouldn't have known before, but we were recently in Israel, we saw a real olive press, which is a massive stone that absolutely crushes the olives. But the olives don't just get crushed one time. They get smashed a second time and even a third time in order for all of the oil to come out of the olive. And so even what Jesus was doing in the garden of the olive press was he himself was being pressed. And we see this physically take place and that he's, he's praying and he's, he's sweating blood and he's asking the Father, is there any other way? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It wasn't like Jesus was excited to feel that in his body. He didn't just pull the God card and not feel it. He knew he was gonna feel everything that he was about to go through. And can I tell you this? That the worst pain that he was about to experience was not the physical whipping, beating, or suffocation on the cross. It was the fact that he endured the wrath of God for all of the sin, for all of humanity, for all time. So he gets done with his prayer and he goes back to his disciples. And this is what takes place, Matthew 26. He says, see the hour is at hand. He says, my time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, Judas came one of the 12, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign. Listen to the sign that Judas chose. Of all of the things that he could have chose to announce, that's who Jesus is. This is what he chooses. He says this, the one that I kiss, that's the man, sees him. And he came up to Jesus, and at once he said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Luke 22 records Jesus saying, Judas, you'd betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And Jesus said to him, Friend, friend do what you came to do 
And they came up and they laid their hands on Jesus and seized him. Took him into captivity, eventually put him on trial, and eventually led him to the cross. But I'm so confused as to why of all the things that Judas could have done, he could have just said, I'll point at the guy. That's the man. He could have said, hey, hey, Jesus is the one wearing the brown robe. I was just with him. He could have said, y'all know who Jesus is. I'll just kind of show you in the garden where he's at and then I'm going to hang back. They knew who he was. So why in this moment, of all the ways that he could have chosen, did he walk directly to him, say, greetings, rabbi, and then kiss him in order to betray him? Heartbreaking. You know, it might have been because he really wanted the money. He was greedy, sinful in his heart, and they didn't know it. Could have been. Because the scripture says that Satan entered him and he was demon-possessed. You know, some people even think that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah and he was trying to provoke him to do Messiah-type things. It's interesting, this kiss. It's like one of the most intimate things that we can do with another person is a kiss. And yet that's what he chose to hand him over to his eventual death. It's the image of intimacy, but totally fake. Betrayal. And you know, the truth is that it's not just Judas who kisses the king. Sometimes we do too. See, the reality is that every one of us has been walking in brokenness And we have our own reasons why, just as Judas did. We've been hurt by other people. We've lived in pain. We've been wounded. We've made poor decisions and poor decisions have been made against us. And sometimes we even are frustrated with God for not living up to our expectations of Him. And so we push Him in ways that are truly sinful, even though they look good. The reality is that just like Judas, sometimes we betray him with a kiss. So you've got quite the story. I would have never guessed all of what your life used to look like when I see you now. Yeah, everything's changed. Initially, How did you even get to a place that was that dark? Getting lost is easy. Fun, even, for a time. And then one day you wake up and you're completely empty. And there are some that don't wake up at all. So what you were doing seemed right to you. When you go your own way, the lines are blurred all the time. And even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Walk us through what happened. 
I say I should be dead right now? If he wouldn't have come at that exact moment 
the substance abuse, the fear, the rage, the shame. It was killing me. And Jesus showed me how low he was willing to go when he allowed himself to be tortured and hung on that cross. But then, while I was a long way off, left for dead, in the middle of betraying him a thousand times over, It was wild to me that I still felt so wanted by him. And Would you say Jesus was a big part of your recovery? A, a big part. Jesus was my recovery. Is. And now I'm his. Recovery. What does recovery look like? You saw a number of things in this skit. Some substances that had a grip, some addictions that had a grip, a computer that had a grip, a mirror that had a grip, some spirits that had a grip. What does recovery really look like? How does that happen? You know, if we remember back to our, our story of Jesus and his disciples, I want to remind you that it wasn't just Judas who betrayed that night. There was another one that blatantly turned his back on Jesus. Not one, not two, but three times. You see, after Judas turned him over with a kiss and they got him and they put him in chains and started hauling him off. Of course, his best friend Peter was going to follow behind and try and figure out what was going on. And if you remember the story that three separate times somebody recognized him as being a disciple of Jesus, something that you might imagine he would want to brag about, but not in that moment, not under those conditions. Not with the fear that was looming that night. And so three separate times, Peter declared, I'm not one of them. I don't know that man. In fact, the scripture even tells us that he called down curses upon himself in order to declare that he was not with Jesus. How do you recover from that? So here we find ourselves with at least two men that in the midst of one night found themselves extremely separated from this Jesus whom they had followed for three years. Imagine what they would have been feeling on the inside. Judas saying, I, don't, I think I made a mistake here. 
And so he goes back to the religious leaders and he, he throws the money back at them. And he says, no, 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 I actually didn't want this to happen. And they said, sorry, we don't care about you. We got what we wanted. Be on your way. He's thinking, how am I gonna recover from this? And then there's Peter who betrayed Jesus right after saying, I would never, I'll die for you, Jesus. And then he went out and did it three times just like Jesus said he would. How am I gonna recover from this? I guess I'll just go back to fishing. And you know what we see in Judas and Peter is a very different response to their brokenness. A very different response to their betrayal. One of them actually found recovery and one of them found death. Now here's the thing about Judas. He had regret. He regretted what he did. He tried to make it right by throwing the money back because his regret was filling him with shame and with sorrow. The problem was that he went to the wrong person. He went to the religious leaders, here, take your money back. Can we undo this thing? No, 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 no. What's done is done. And his regret led him to death. You see, friend, I gotta let you know, regret doesn't make you right with God. Feeling sorry in your heart doesn't make you right with God. Regretting doesn't lead you to true recovery. Regret has to turn into godly sorrow. And godly sorrow leads to one thing, and it's called repentance. Friends, I gotta let you know that the only way to recover from the brokenness that not just Judas and Peter found themselves in, but you and I find ourselves in, our own betrayal, our own brand and flavor of sin, and don't get me wrong, none of us are any better than anybody else. We all have our own flavor that we like to go to. We're all separated from God because of our brokenness And we can't just regret it. We definitely can't ignore it. But we have to let it become godly sorrow and lead us to repentance, which leads us to the actual recovery, which is relationship. You notice the person behind the camera said, so was Jesus a big part of your recovery? And Topher rightly said, no, no, no. He wasn't just a part of my recovery. He is my recovery. So what are we doing on a holiday called Good Friday when the thing that happened on Friday is that a man was put to death? Have you ever wondered why do we call it good? when what we're celebrating is the king of the universe dying. Because in the kingdom and only in the kingdom, negative things can turn out in victory. 
This is why the scripture tells us to rejoice in our suffering. Because suffering produces something. Suffering produces something. It produces character, perseverance, and hope. And hope does not put us to shame because the Holy Spirit has been offered to us. And this is why the church can celebrate, even call a day good when it was the day that our Savior died. Because it was through that death that we all had the opportunity to repent and receive and be restored. And so I ask you again, the way that I started this message, that you would look upon this King for who He is. One day He will return and there will be flames in His eyes. He will be riding on a horse and He will conquer all evil. Do you see Him for who He is? Do you recognize him? Do you believe in who he is? And have you received that? He's Jesus. He's the only savior. He is the recovery. I know you've been in church for a little while. Some of you years. Does he actually hold the rightful place of authority in your life? Think about who he is. let the eyes of your heart look at the man of glory would you look at the king of kings he is the mighty God who stepped out of heaven to come to us he would hang on the tree and say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing even his friend would kiss him he still calls him friend. He didn't just come to make a bad person good. He came to bring you from death to life. He came to transform your spiritual DNA from the inside out. He did not come so you will sit through a two-hour church service every Sunday morning and then go about the rest of your life and do your own thing. He came that your life would die, that you might live for Him in everything. And through you, His Spirit would transform this world. I'm telling you, friend, if you came here out of tradition, if you came here because mom invited you or grandma made you, and you just think, oh, it's just another church service. No, this is a divine conspiracy. This is not a church service. This is a time for you to be transformed and truly recovered. Would you stand to your feet as we begin to sing to the King? As we sing, I want to invite you to consider, are you right with Him? Are you in right relationship with Him? Fix your eyes on this King of glory. Fix your faith on this
the Savior and the King of Kings. The name above every other name. of all kings. He is God incarnate for you. I recognize that some of you in this room do not know why the people on this stage are so excited. You've not been in an atmosphere like this before and it's maybe making you a little uncomfortable. You're hiding in the back, you're wondering, really, the dancing, the shouting, the wandering around the stage, really? I remember, I used to feel that way. I used to feel that way. Now I grew up in church, church my whole life, twice a week, every week. Church was a certain way, you know, pretty quiet. We hardly stood up during music. I didn't understand it. 
But then I realized one day that if this whole thing is not just a story about a guy 2,000 years ago, but actually the reality that we're to live in right now, and God, the God of the universe, actually stepped out of heaven and came to us, and when I spit in his face and even kissed him with betrayal, he still welcomed me with open arms, called me friend, forgave me, and then said he wanted to fill me with his spirit. I know, I know, but I'm gonna get excited about the Seahawks. Even worse, I'm gonna get excited about the Steelers. No, I'm gonna get excited about Taylor Swift's new concert. Oh no, I'm gonna get excited about my new Gucci shoes and how much money I'm making. Oh, oh, you're gonna get excited about that. Hey, I'm just, I just don't like all the charismatic worship. It's not like who I am, really? Okay, here's the deal. Let's make an agreement. If you are never, if you are never that excited about anything else, by all means, come up in church like this. It's all good. But my guess is there's at least one other thing that you get passionate and excited about outside of this place. And so all I'm asking you is, do you recognize that he is the King of Kings? He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Savior. He's worthy. He's worthy. So even though, even though, like Peter, some of us have denied him, like Judas, some of us have betrayed him, even sometimes in symbols of intimacy that weren't real, like a kiss, we need recovery and we need repentance true repentance. And so I want to invite you to that right now. Maybe you've never repented and surrendered your life to Jesus before. This is for you. Maybe you've been in church like I was at one point in my life for 17 years and you called yourself a Christian, but you know deep down you're not actually following Jesus. That was me. Or maybe, just maybe, you do believe You are a person of faith, but there's been something that got in your heart that led you to believe that this Jesus is not fulfilling everything that you wanted him to fulfill, and therefore you need to take things into your own hands. You remember when Jesus entered the city on Palm Sunday, they welcomed him the way that they would welcome a king with palm branches in victory. And the crowd shouted, Hosanna, save us, save us, save us. And what they wanted was a military leader. And just a few days later on this day, the same crowd was shouting, crucify him. Because he did not live up to their human standards. And so friend, I'm asking you not to leave this room with regret tonight. Maybe you're watching this online. I'm asking you not just to live in regret because regret only leads one place and it's death. But godly sorrow leads us to repentance, which leads us by faith into actual relationship with this God. 
And so can I ask you just to bow your head right where you're at, just to give the people around you a moment of privacy. There's people here that maybe have not been in church in a long time or ever. And I just want you to know that this is a safe place. Everybody around you who is believing and following Jesus is not here to condemn you, not here to point out your sin and your wrong. Listen, I already told you, we all have our own flavor, our own brand, our own tendencies, our own proclivities, our own brokenness. But I wanna ask you if you're here tonight and you don't know that you know that you know that you're walking in right and restored relationship with Jesus, you can know tonight. You don't have to live in regret. You don't have to live in shame and guilt. You don't have to live wondering, am I gonna go to heaven one day? Because you can know heaven right now, his name is Jesus. His spirit will come and live inside of you. And so I wanna ask you right where you're at, if you're ready to receive this invitation by faith, and that's the only way you can receive it, by the way, it's a gift offered of grace. What Jesus did, his finished work, we don't work for it. It's by grace and through faith. If you're here and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, either for the first time, or you know that you've walked away from him and you need to come home, it's not a preacher that's calling you home, but it's the Holy Spirit. I wanna invite you to raise your hand right now, right where you're at and lock eyes with me. I wanna see if I'm praying with anybody tonight. I see your hand in the back, thank you. I see your hand, thank you. Just keep your hand up until I lock eyes with you. <laughs> I see you guys in the back. Best decision you could ever make. Look at me, this is the best decision that you could ever make. This is not just gonna be a prayer. The Holy Spirit is gonna come in your heart and transform you. Friends, look at me. Sometimes we think we need to be good enough to come to God, but the reality is, unless the Spirit of God fills us, we can't accomplish what God has called us to. He has to do it in us. If you're here and you're thinking, well, I'm not good enough. Well, I'm not cleaned up enough. Well, I know that I'm gonna go back to that relationship or back to that substance. No, don't say that. Would you just give him a chance? Would you give the spirit of the living God a chance to fill you and fill all the holes that you're trying to fulfill in other ways? You don't have to promise him your perfection tonight. You just have to offer him repentance. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand high in the air. You know the Holy Spirit is talking to you. You are ready to surrender your life to him. See the Spirit of God feel you. Raise your hand high in the air. I want to see if I'm praying with you. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, eight. The only reason we really count is just so you know, if you're wondering, am I alone? You're not alone. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now. It's a prayer, simple prayer of confession and repentance, an invitation for you to step off of the throne in your life and put Jesus in his rightful place and for his spirit to fill you. And if you don't need to leave, please don't leave the room. Please keep the doors shut. Is there anybody else?
Well, beautiful, if you raise your hand, I wanna lead you in this prayer because the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And so it's an important thing to confess the faith that's on the inside. And just so you know you're not alone, I'm gonna have the whole church pray right along with you because we stand in unity tonight. So let's pray this together. Jesus, tonight I recognize you as Savior and Lord of the world. And I confess to you that I've sinned. I've turned from you. But tonight I repent. And I come home. And I welcome you to sit on the throne in my life as my supreme authority. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill my life to guide me and to lead me all the days of my life. I'm all in. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.